So today we're going to continue back in the book of James. Uh, so far we've walked through the first two chapters. Today we begin chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to James chapter 3 while the kids are getting up and, and heading out here today and the worship team is making their way off stage. Uh, I read a story uh, which stated the following. Let me read it to you. On a windswept hill in an English country churchyard stands a drab gray slate tombstone. The quaint stone bears an epitaph. Not easily seen unless you stoop over and look closely. The faint etchings read, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. The words we speak are an important part of our testimony, demonstrating spiritual maturity. The words we speak say so much about the condition of our heart. So let me ask you today, before we even get into our passage, what does, what does your tongue say about you? What does your tongue say about your walk with God? James, this is not the first time that James speaks about the tongue. In chapter 1, we see in verse 119, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And he talks about the tongue again in chapter 1, and we'll get to that here in a little while. But in James chapter 3, we hear about a restless evil. Something that cannot be tamed by man. You think it would be like a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something like that. Something huge. Yet it's something so small with such great power. Let's pray together before we get into our passages. Gracious God, we thank you for the songs that we have sung today. We thank you for uh, your word, your truth. Father, may it be communicated today. Father, may we hear it, may it be spoken, may it be heard, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A restless evil. Verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with great, greater strictness. Now there are many who teach in different ways, right? Just a quick reminder here, if you weren't here with us for the first couple of weeks through this, James is writing to believers, right? He's writing to Jewish believers. It's referring to believers. So this, when he talks about being judged with greater strictness, I believe is referring to the judgment seat of Christ, where believers will have to give an account of their lives for the Lord. James is not referring to those of you who teach, my brothers... It's not a salvation thing. That's not what I understand this to be. Yet there is a greater responsibility that lies with those who teach. Why? Because false teaching leads people astray. False teaching can lead to eternal damnation. James includes himself in this category. We who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's a tremendous responsibility that exists when teaching the word of God. Are you teaching what the Word says? But not only are you teaching what the Word says, are you actually living what you're teaching? What's the danger in appointing teachers carelessly? Well, you have false teachings. You have poor testimonies. That would have been out of people who were looking at those who were teaching in the way that they're living and speaking. Those who teach 
must be careful and must realize the tremendous responsibility that comes with teaching. And that's not just up here. That's in your Sunday school classroom and your small group. Realize that there's a tremendous responsibility that God has given you in teaching his word. James says that you need to be careful. Those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. In verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. There's a connection that James makes right here between spiritual maturity and control of the tongue. Spiritual maturity and control of the tongue. And here's what he says, and this is really interesting too, that all believers stumble. Did you ever realize that? Do you ever realize that? Man, it's easy to look at somebody else stumbling, but every single believer struggles. It's easy to compare yourself with someone else, but why don't you compare yourself with Jesus Christ and you'll see how many ways you stumble, you fall short. I know I sure do. Our hope and desire is that we continue to grow in our faith with God. We're going to live a life that's pursuing God's holiness, God's righteousness. And we know that we're going to continue to make mistakes, for we all stumble in many ways. And what else this also tells us is that each and every believer, each and every person, struggles with control of the tongue. See, as we continue to grow in our walk with God, our hope is that we will have control over our tongue. But it's not, it's not just in public, right? It's not just in public. It's at home. It's the way you speak to your spouse and your kids. It's around your friends and it's in every situation. Then James begins to give us this, this imagery of, of how powerful the tongue is in someone's life. He says this, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. How many of you have ever ridden a horse before? You ever ride a horse before? All right. So uh, growing up in Bolivia, right, we would, my, my mom had actually gotten us horseback riding lessons, and we go and we ride around this lake. It was a whole bunch of fun. But one of the things that we would also do is we would go out and we would go fishing. And I, I love to fish. And we would go out into different areas. And uh, my, my dad's a pilot. So every once in a while, my brother, my dad, and I would fly out into this area. And we would go and we'd go fishing. And we'd fish this one place in particular. We'd go fishing for piranha. Do you know what piranhas are? Right? You don't want to put your finger in their mouth. <laughs> right? Or you won't have a finger. And we'd fish for peacock bass. It was a whole bunch of fun. But one of the ways that we would get to this one lake that we would go to is we'd fly in, and then it was either an, a number of hours walking, even longer amount of time if you took an ox cart. Sometimes we'd have an ox cart. Have you ever seen those things walk? I mean, they can pull a lot, but it, it, there is no rush. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty bad. But we would ride horses. And we get a couple of horses there, and we'd ride out to the lake, and the ox cart would usually follow behind with a lot of our stuff. Uh, but we could get out way in front. And so I remember we went, we went fishing this one time, and we went out with uh, a friend of mine and his dad flew out with us. And we get to the, the place that we were going, and, and uh, my friend and I, I don't even remember how old we are, we were. We, we hopped on our horses. And he grabs the reins of his horse, and all of a sudden he realized something wasn't connected. And his horse went, and took off, and he had no control, nor had he ever really ridden a horse before, and so he had no idea what to do. He's just holding on to the saddle, trying to figure out what to do, and man, I, 
I got every, every ounce of cowboy that was left in me. And I said, let's go, come on. And I, my horse took off after him. And I'm, I'm galloping behind him trying to grab on. And I finally grab the side of the bridle and pull back. And the horse stopped. Why? Because of the bit in its mouth. And it knew what it needed to do. That huge animal was stopped by some kid reaching and grabbing on the side. This small thing inside the mouth of a horse carries tremendous power. That small thing inside your mouth carries tremendous power. It can change the direction of one's life. See, with guiding your tongue, you can also guide your body. Then James gives us another picture here. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. William MacDonald gives a, uh, let let me read this verse. So the tongue... Also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So, William MacDonald gives a picture of the Queen Elizabeth, the ship the Queen Elizabeth. It weighed 83,673 gross tons. The rudder of that ship weighed only 140 tons. That's less than two-tenths of one percent of the total weight of the ship. Yet when the rudder's turned, it controls the direction of the ship itself. The tongue, even though it's small, it holds great power. The small rudder changes the course of the ship. Your tongue can change the course of your life. The words bit and rudder can change something much larger than themselves. Your words can change your life, and your words can truly destroy your testimony. They really can. Let's keep going. We're given another picture. So we have the bit in the mouth of a horse. We have the rudder on the ship. And now we get this picture of a fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This example would have really stood out to those in James' day. Or when it got cold outside, they couldn't just turn on the electric heat, right? They didn't have a little space heater they could get around. They had to actually start a fire. And they had to be careful. Careful that that fire didn't light something else and continue to burn down more things. We're given a picture of how powerful the tongue is. All it takes is a spark. To set a whole forest on fire, right? Only you can prevent forest fires. And did you realize? Did you realize that your tongue can start a fire? See, there are many sins which come from not controlling your tongue. Lying, corrupting talk, abuse, gossip, complaining, blasphemy, slander, anger. And I could keep going on the tongue as a fire in a world of unrighteousness. The tongue can lead towards absolute unrighteousness. And why, why is it? Why is it that the tongue is so powerful? 
It's not only because the, the whole thing about sticks and stones or break bones, words will never hurt me. That, I mean, that's such, we, we know that's not true, right? Words can really hurt. I mean, if somebody hit you in the face with a dictionary, that would hurt. No, but words really, words really hurt. They stick with us. You might remember something that somebody said 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But it's because the tongue, well, what comes out of our mouth, shows what's actually in our heart. Right? Matthew chapter 15. The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. So they ask him a couple of things about, about the disciples and, and looking at what would defile them. And Jesus responds by pointing out a couple of things. Let me, let me read this to you today. And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand it. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. <coughs> Excuse me. Why is that? What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. What comes out of one's mouth demonstrates where one's heart truly is. And I, and I think if we're truly honest... We know that's true. Man, the times when, the times when you slip up and, and, and you speak in an unloving way, in a, a, a way that does not bring glory and honor to God, is your heart in the right place at that time? Or even before that? No. Right? We know that. Man, there, there are days even in my life when I, when I, when I come home and, and I, just, I don't have patience in the way that I speak. And it's because something's not right here. And I have to make sure that this is right. So that this is right. See, what comes out of the mouth exists in one's heart. Going back to James chapter 1, if you remember, I, I said we were going to go back. James writes, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. We talked about this a number of weeks ago. The wickedness that exists in the heart of man. See, we know that this is a constant struggle in this life, isn't it? A constant battle, man. Of not giving in to the flesh, of not giving in to your, your own desires, but instead surrendering to the Spirit. And God's there, and, and God wants you to walk with Him on a daily basis, but God doesn't force you to walk with Him on a daily basis. Because He, he wants you to come to Him and say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm denying that today. I don't want that today. I don't want any of that garbage coming out of my mouth today. And I want to focus on you. Help me to walk with you. But that requires intentionality on your part in saying no, in denying the flesh, in denying yourself each and every day. See, James doesn't shy away from the reality that believers in this life are going to be tempted. That you're going to wrestle with things. You're going to struggle with things. And if you're tempted and you're wrestling, welcome to the Christian life. That's part of it. And seeking after God. Satan's going to come after you. He doesn't want you to live a life that is honoring to God. 
part of the struggle on this earth is temptation. Realize it, understand it. But it means that we must be on our guard. You have to put on the armor of God on a daily basis and trust in him. The tongue has the potential to change one's life. I think we've all seen that. Let's continue on to verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have you ever been to the zoo before and uh, watched how some of these ginormous animals treat their zookeepers? That they've been tamed in a way, one way or another. Every kind of beast, a bird, a reptile, and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Think about that with me for a moment. So that means a bear can be tamed. But my tongue can't be tamed? See, alone, and, and I think we see it in the world, and, and maybe with social media and other things like that, it's just, it's out there more, and we're able to see a little more clearly. But man, people don't control their tongues at all anymore. I'm not talking about speaking the truth in love. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about losing your temper, saying things that make no sense, really. The tongue is full of deadly poison. It's a powerful weapon. It can destroy much faster than we think. And as believers, we must be extremely careful. And what comes out of our mouth? That's why James says, listen, be slow to speak. <laughs> if a tongue's a restless evil, then make sure the times that you're actually speaking are times that you've, you've processed through what you're going to say before you say it. That you're making sure that what you're going to say is going to bring glory and honor to God. And you're not just spouting off because you're frustrated with something. That's what's easy to do. That's, what's, that's, that's called the flesh, right? That's giving in to your earthly desires. Instead, you stop. You think. You process, you listen. And then by God's grace, we answer correctly. And then James goes into a compare and contrast here at the end. He says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That tongue that, that, that he's talking about here, man, you're going to sing louder than anybody else. Yet when you leave and you get to the parking lot, man, did you see did you see that person in church today? They weren't acting very Christian the other day. Did you see the way that they talk about this? You, you should see with your mouth you praise God, but at the same time, you're cursing someone else who's made in the likeness of God. Now we know, we know that, that God made us and it was good, and with, with sin there's so many issues that exist in mankind, yet we are still made in the likeness of God. That never went away. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. James here, he, he, he talks to, gathers the brethren together, gathers the family together with, with these two words, my brothers. 
It's almost like he's saying, family, listen. The blessing and cursing out of the same mouth, that should not be happening. That can't happen. That can't happen to us. It needs to stop. The same mouth sings praises to God and curses other people. This cannot happen, my brothers. We have to be different. See, the way that the world speaks, that's how they process. I'm going to praise, I'm going to praise, 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 and then curse, 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 curse. We must be different. We must be different. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? No. It doesn't happen. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. See, the mouth of the Christian cannot be sending out both fresh and salt water. It should not be happening. If you're spewing curses out of your mouth and cursing people that are made in the likeness of God, what are you doing praising God? Those don't go together. If you're talking behind your brother or sister's back, yet at the same time pretending in your other words that, man, I was reading this today, and, and here's, here's what the Lord taught me. No, be careful. Check your heart. James isn't saying that you need to go around and pat everybody on the back and tell them, man, you're, you're just the best person that came into my life today. I'm so happy to see you and everything's good and everything. What, what do you think about this? Everything's fine. That's, that's not what James is saying. I think, I, I, I think it's pretty straightforward what he's trying to communicate here. The tongue is dangerous. As Christians, by ourselves, as people we cannot control the tongue we don't have the power to do it by ourselves it's only by god's grace through his power that we're able to speak what he wants us to speak if you're sending out fresh and salt water you need to evaluate your heart think about it for a moment how much does a compliment mean when it comes from someone who's a critical gossiper how much does a compliment mean from someone who is two-faced? Not much because you know that they might be telling you something now, but you, you know. You know that they're going to be over here telling someone else something about you here in a little while. And then that person gets a reputation. I think everybody knows who likes to gossip, right? Everybody knows who spreads words one way or another when they shouldn't. And what does that say about their testimony? What does it say about the testimony of the person who blesses God with one word and curses his brothers with another? So what about me? What about me? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good is for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to deny my flesh by the power of the Spirit, by God working in my life, by God's grace. 
I'm going to surrender to what God has. And that means that I'm going to be quick to hear, I'm going to be slow to speak, and then turn, that's going to make me slow to anger. What about, what about talking? Does, does talking include social media too? What do you think? Or is James only writing about the words that you speak? No, he's talking about it all. Your emails, your text messages, the way that you communicate with other people. That's involved in all of this. I've met Christians before who, who will talk with one thing, and, and that's, you'll see the blessing here at church, but social media is something completely different. Vulgar, profane. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. See that today there's so many keyboard warriors in our society. Tremendous courage behind the keyboard, but what you need to make sure, brothers and sisters, <laughs> is that whatever you type on your keyboard... Is the same thing as what you say. And as believers, we must watch what we say. We have to realize the power that our words have, whether it's with your unbelieving neighbor, with, with your spouse, your children, your friends. Your words carry tremendous power, and they say much about who you are. James tells us that we all struggle, we all stumble. So what does your tongue say about you? See, as we mature in our faith, we're to control our tongue. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 says the following. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So today, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about you, right? I don't want you to think about your spouse or about your neighbor or about the person sitting next to you. I want you to think about you today because that's the prayer that we see in Psalm 139. It's not search my neighbor, oh God, and know his heart and try him and see if there's any offensive way in his life. No, search me, God. Search me. I'm responsible for me. Search me. Show me what's offensive in my life. Show me where I'm failing in my life. Show me where I'm falling short in my life. Because I need you to make that clear to me. There's that, that old song. Maybe Remember, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother. But it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my sister. It's not my brother. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not the people that are shouting, not the members I've been doubting. But it's me, oh Lord, I'm standing in the need of prayer. It's not the preacher, not the sinner. Not the deacon, not the teacher. But it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We all struggle with the tongue. The Bible says we need God's grace and God's mercy each and every day. As we continue in this spiritual battle, Lord, give us grace to deny ourselves and to seek after you. What does your tongue say about you? See, by the power of the Spirit, we're able to watch what we say. By the power of the Spirit, we're able to not respond in anger immediately, but to process, to think, to love, and to speak truth. 
See, the tongue is, is a powerful thing. But it's not more powerful than God himself. And God has given you his spirit to be with you each and every day. I, I think of that verse that says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. See, we, we're told we're not going to be alone in Scripture. And as you struggle and as you process through this today, as you go home and, and you start to think about the words that you speak and the way that you talk to people, remember this. God's with you. And he wants you to overcome this. That he's not going to force you to. That's not how God works. God wants you to make the decision to surrender to him on a regular basis. Let's pray together. Lord, give us grace to deny ourselves and seek after you. Mold us into what you want us to be. Help us to control the tongue by surrendering to you. Lord, I do pray today that you would make clear the areas in our lives where we are falling short. Maybe there's a brother or sister here today, Lord, who doesn't struggle much with the tongue. But realizes that there's another place in their life where they do struggle. Father, we do ask that you would search us. Bring to light areas in our lives that we miss. Help us to not make excuses, but to realize that we are sinners and we fall short of a holy and perfect God on our own. Lord, there's passages like this today where we realize how much we fall short. The tongue is just one area of life. Yeah, such a powerful area. And Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die and pay the penalty for our sin on Calvary's cross. Father, we want to live a life that is a testimony to Christ crucified and resurrected. Help us to do so by the words that we speak. Help us to think before we speak. That as we communicate with one another and with the world, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in every word that we say. Father, I want to pray for the teachers today. Father, I ask that you would help them to understand the tremendous responsibility that you have given them in communicating your word to others. Encourage them, yet, Father, also challenge them. Be glorified, great God. Amen. Let's start time. Let's stand as we.